0: All right, well, I'm not excited too often to interview people. Um, <laughs> but today I get to, you know, a couple of months ago I interviewed my favorite singer of all time, Stephen Piercy. Uh, Tawny Catane came down, my favorite video vixen, Bobby Brown, the cherry pie girl. And today's guest is kind of uh, somewhat topical to uh, Bobby Brown because she was dancing around to his music, his virtuoso guitar playing, and if you know me... I have three favorite guitar players the man sitting on my couch the great Kane Roberts and of course the elusive Howard Hughes like Vinnie Vincent and I'm sure my guest is honored to be mentioned with those two people please put your hands together for the one and the only Mr. Joey Allen. Earl, wow,
1: I'm honored to be in in the group along with Vinnie Vincent and Kane Roberts.
0: Well, that's an elusive group. Exclusive group. I kind of got the cane physique going on nowadays, don't I? Kind of buff. You do. You're, you're um, you look <laughs> like uh, maybe uh, Udo from Accept. Yeah. Uh, just, you got the look. You got Rob Halford my facial. F- my
1: friends have told me a little bit of Halford. Yeah, I get I get joked with, but uh, God bless Rob. He's got some pipes. So.
0: He's still. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest singers of all time.
1: Absolutely, brother. Absolutely.
0: We'll do the Judas Priest episode another day. Today's all about you. Warned. Yeah. Still a viable band on the scene, which you guys to me were like. I mentioned Stephen Piercy from Rat, they were like the beginning of the bookend in the 80s. To me, you guys were like the last band to make it out of LA, big. Right. Is that a fair assessment? From my
1: perspective, I mean, I, you know, from the time we got signed to the time. You know, it started to change in the '90s when all the Seattle explosion happened. I, I guess you know, but it was kind of some of that's still kind of a blur at this point of life. You know, um, but yeah, we had some success, so it was a lot of fun there for a while. It still
0: is. Oh yeah, I mean, you guys are still touring. Four out of the original five uh, members. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all we've got. So you know, and 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 um,
1: we get along like brothers, um, which means that. For the most part, we get along and sometimes we don't, but for the most part, we do, you know. And then we've got, um,
0: we've had Robert Mason with us now for wow, six years, I think. And he was uh, in Lynch Mob beforehand, uh, also in one of my favorite named bands ever, Big Cock.
1: Yes. And in between, he was in a band called Cry of Love out of, I think, uh, the Carolinas, which is pretty killer if you ever get a chance to listen to their second record. But Mason's up, Mason is the consummate pro. And he's a great guy for a singer, you know?
0: No, he's his uh, <laughs> vocals are like the time you guys came to see me at the improv many yes. moons ago. I yep. was like, wow, that's, that's Robert Mason. Like I was a big fan of his um, and the second singer in your uh, band, the great Jamie St. James, Saint. who uh, I saw you guys at a Long Beach uh, blues type of bar. And, yeah, uh, I remember that. I remember the backstage area was the kitchen. Yes. But you guys nothing, killed it. Nothing but the best for you, Earl. Because... Well listen, I was honored to be on the guest list. <laughs> we um yeah,
1: the Saint, God bless him. He did a great he did a great run with us and then, you know, we we gave a shot with Janie one more time there for a little bit and then, you know, as luck had it, I ran into Mason at a gig and and here we are today, still doing fifty, sixty shows a year and having a great time.
0: I mean, is it uh you Know Janie was such a um, I did you know, he was the voice of the band uh, of the hits originally, as is, is and find, the songwriter. I yeah, mean, well, know. yeah, but you guys can trade, you know, I never thought that you guys got the proper credit, even though he was the main songwriter. You guys came up with the riffs and 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 he wrote, he wrote the songs. I mean, he would
1: come in, he would come in with pretty much it, pretty baked. I mean, he. He was extremely talented. I was talking to C C Deville the other day about his songwriting and he was he was a great for that genre. If you dig into his his craft and his songwriting, I mean he was just uber talented when it came to that, you know? And um and he'd bring it in and, and as a band we'd sit there and hash through it and you know, you put your flavor on things as a band, but I credit's gotta be given where credit's due. And he was he was the one that, that brought all that in for the no. most
0: part. You, you bring up C.C. DeVille's name. And, yes. Uh, you know, I want to set the record straight here. I know uh, <laughs> with with Warrant, there was, you know, talk on the first album of, you, you know, and this has never really been answered to my satisfaction. Okay. Uh, how much did you participate? I know Bo Hill was rumored to bring in guys. To, right. Uh, w- what's the real story there? The real story is, is that, um, you know, Bo... Bo at the
1: time had a lot going on, and Bo was up against this this feeling that there needed to be an Eddie Van Halen and Warrant playing solos, which was fine, which neither of, of Eric or I have ever professed to be, you know, anywhere near that type of a guitar player, but we were definitely and still are the Warrant sound, you know, and and so he wanted to bring in um, one of his buddies that he had used on different sessions with different bands. Is that the Mike um, Slamer? Mike Slamer, yeah. Okay. And, and to be honest, you know, at this point in life, I mean, and I've talked about it before, you know, I'm, I'm pretty honest about it, but Mike did play some solos on on both the first two records. Um, he had nothing to do with any of the rhythm playing. He had nothing to do with any of the writing that Janie did, but he was brought in as a, as a loaded gun to do some of the guitar, te- you know, playing that that neither Eric or I were prepared to do. Um there are solos on the first and second records where it's half me and half Mike um, you know,
0: comped together. Can you tell like when you listen, go, oh, that's me. I know that's exact
1: my- I know exactly note for note who played what. because right. I was there the entire time. But it wasn't a thing where you know, I just gave up and said, for me personally, I mean I can't speak for Eric, but for me personally, I, I started taking lessons from Mike. Right. You know, like, wow, if this is how this works in this big corporate world of record deals, I better get my collective shit together and and play better. So I did. And I set spent some time, a lot of time with Mike learning um, you know, things that I didn't know. But yeah, I mean that's that's the God's honest truth. He he deserves credit where where credits due as well, and and um, I haven't talked to Mike in a long time, but he's a great guy, and he's really a shredding guitar player. So
0: now on Cherry Pie, uh, was uh, did what did CeCe do? If anything, uh, was he brought in the similar situation? No, not
1: at all. We w- we
0: wanted the Poison Tour,
1: right? We wanted to open for Poison. They were going out, I think, on the Flesh Flesh and Blood Tour, and so we thought that if we brought Cecil down and let him be part of the record that that would give us some help because we were already friends with the guys from the club days and everything. So um I think it was a Saturday if I remember right, but about 11 or 12 in the in the morning we sent a car to go get him and wake him up and he came down and and he was, you know, he was awake but he was thrashed from the night before. I don't believe you. Yeah, right? <laughs> Back in the day. And he um and he sat down and this is a great story and I love you dearly Cecil if you listen to this but this is what happened he comes in he plays for about I don't know half hour for the cherry pie cherry pie was a late addition to that whole recording session and so we thought bring him in let him play this so he came and he played it and when he left Bo Hill looks at me and this is after you know having Mike there to help out on a few different I mean Mike played a lot of different solos on the first two records but um he looks, Bo looks at me and he goes, you know, you, you're, you would be a welcome addition at this point <laughs> because Cecil was just out of his mind, right? you know, and, 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 but he played a great solo and he comped it together just like some of the other stuff. And that was the reason why we had a solo on cherry pie from CC.
0: So you got the tour.
1: We did get the tour, but probably not because of that. And and it's great. It's a great story. I mean, CC's, you know, I don't know if you listen to him much nowadays, um, but yeah. he's he's a really strong guitar player, you know. I mean, I I think he's much more accomplished than I am as a guitar player by far. Um, I've I've toured with him in the last four or five years, and I I go and listen to him, and he's a great player. Poison gets a lot of flack, not unlike Warrant getting a lot of flack for that whole genre of music from different areas. But the fact of the matter is, is that he wrote some great songs, and he's a he's a damn good guitar player. So.
0: Well, I always thought that bands like Warrant, Rat, um, and maybe a few others don't get the proper credit just because how you guys looked, you know?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's um, if you look at all the bands from that genre, like that space of time, and some of them that have distanced themselves even from that genre, which you could go into Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and, and some of the bands that, you know that were when they were in it they took full credit for it but right. but when it wasn't in you know they tried to distance themselves to try you know like it's career suicide to be from you know that genre of music which if you look at how many records were sold unbelievable it's insane isn't it i mean Cinderella all the different bands that just just sold millions of records you know
0: Britney Fox with a gold record Britney Fox And I you think. guys used to tour with them right in the beginning very yeah, good run with those guys, great guys, a lot of fun. well, you bring up guys distancing themselves from the genre, and I think the singer, the great dizzy Dean Davidson changed his name like you know he he cut his hair, he looks like a member of the cars now. I haven't kept up with him, but not many okay. do okay, you know
1: i mean he he was always the poor man's Tom Kiefer to me. Right, I, know, I mean, I, 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 no disrespect to any Britney Fox fans or Britney Fox at all. I mean, they had some
0: girls' school, you know, some rock. Save the band. Week, Great Ballad. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know. Um, they were like Diet Cinderella to me. Diet
1: Cinderella, okay, there you go. That's, that's a little more politically
0: correct. But I mean, Michael Kelly Smith yes, was, I th- believe, the original guitar player in Cinderella. Okay. So I think that, but now we're breaking down. You're getting way into the encyclopedia. Well, I'm a family. huge fan of the genre, as you know. And, you know, we're here to break it down. Okay, let's break it down. Does it bother you, though, that like a guy like Warren D. Martini, you, uh, even someone like, say, Jake E. Lee, it's like you look at pictures of you guys and, and like the Striper at the Bumblebee outfits, but they're great players. Right. And do you want that recognition or is there a certain point where you go, hey, it is what it is? I embrace it. I think it's
1: great. You know, I think it's, I, I mean, it, To put it in perspective, nowadays, when we go out and play, we can go out and play a show, you know, that's a soft-ticket gig, like say we're playing a state fair or something, you know, and five to 10,000 people show up, and you have a great show, and you see people dancing and singing and having a good time. It doesn't matter if they're 10 years old or if they're 40 years old or in between, you know, that's a testament to all the silly stuff maybe – You know that that back then in the late '80s or you know mid to late '80s and early '90s that we did that we look back on and go, wow, look at those tight pants, look at the white leather, look at the hair, look at the makeup and all that stuff. And it is what it is, and it got us there. But what's a true testament is that the music still works. You know, oh yeah, even with even today, you know, when I got my hair little wet coming in cuz it's raining you know. It's looking lovely. Does it look all right. It's got a good shine to it.
0: It's very shiny. I mean <laughs> obviously the publishing money's keeping the the hair good and the weaves working, isn't it? But you got the Paul Stanley chest hair. I do have that going on and I I just, you know, I shave it every
1: once in a while for for uh to keep it growing fluff, you know, cuz it grows back in heavier when I shave it. So I'm I'm working on
0: that. Well, you have you know at least you're not doing the uh Who's the guy from Nitro? The (laughs) Michael Angelo, uh, that whole, uh, he's got some weird thing on his head.
1: I, you know, I don't want to go at any guys. I shaved my, I started shaving my head, I don't know, a few years ago. I I did the, what we, what we in Warrant referred to as the cul-de-sac look for a long time, um, where I tried to hang on to what I had. But the fact of the matter is, is that it just went away, you know? And, and it's kind of a cool thing to, to like set, you know, get a phone call, do a phoner with the radio station if we're going or, or, you know, publish, you know, newspaper or something. Say we're going into play Chicago and you talk to somebody and they go, well, what's it feel like to be in a hair band? Right. When you're, you know, in your late 40s or early 50s. And I'm like, dude, have you done your research and like looked at any pictures of Warrant lately? Because I ain't got no hair, you know, it's it's just comedic to me. Um, But so I don't pick on guys that might have a little help up there.
0: It is what it is. No, I'm a big Nitro fan, but, you right. know, he... Uh, did the national anthem at a King game and he came out with his four neck guitar and, and, uh, he yeah, he's a, a shredder. Well, it's just probably a little inappropriate, you know, pardon the pun. Uh, but you know, we were just entering into some war and, and he's doing like some wacky, you know, national anthem thing. And then, uh, he's got, lo- look like a dead raccoon on his head. <laughs> no worse than Gene Ro- Simmons. Roadkill. I don't know what it was, but hey, you know, why Gene wears it well. Yeah, but you got the good look going. You you're doing all right for yourself. I uh, you
1: know what it is what it is, man. It's uh hopefully it doesn't blind too many people when we play live. Just have the stage lights directed to uh Jerry. Your, yeah. Yeah. Jerry. Jerry's Jerry.
0: still got it going on. Jerry looks great. Most of the band guys look great, you know? You got yeah, yeah. Steven looks great. I mean, uh, it's weird to yeah. see him you know, he had that Eric Carr type of mane, and now he's got like, you know, yeah, like, recently, most recently,
1: they did that no-shave November thing. Right. So both him and... Like, I played a gig in Reno this last weekend, and both him and Steven look like Jesus. So okay. I, I played a gig with the two Jesuses last week, and it was brilliant. I had the blonde Jesus, and then I had the brunette Jesus. Now, now, who were you guys with in Reno? It was just us. Oh, wow. I played at a place called the Boomtown Casino. We do a lot of casino gigs, state fairs, you know. And stuff like Rocklahoma, like... We haven't done Rocklahoma in a long time, but there's some casino packages. Like we played a package this year with Winger and, and D. Snyder and us and a bunch of, you know, Dock and stuff right. like that. So there's a lot of those packages that happen across the state. A lot of it happens in
0: the Midwest. Right. So much on the coasts. Well, I think I saw you guys at Rocklahoma. Uh, okay. I think Jamie might have been the, the saint. saint. Yeah, The Saint. Yeah. And uh, Rocklahoma. I think that was the first Rocklahoma. We have the the...
1: dubious honor of playing Rocklahoma three times, all three times with different singers. So I don't think anybody's going to break that record.
0: Well, I mean, you give Rat a try. They're they're, they're going through some... Yeah, they've got two. Do they have two? Well, you know, uh, I tried to get it out of (laughs) Stephen. Rat's in uh, turmoil right now. I'm friends with all those guys. And they're all great.
1: I get along with all of them. I'm not in a band with them. All I can say is being in a band with four other dudes is not easy all the time. And I know Rat is the original Rat with Robin. I saw Rat back in the day before D Martini was in the band. He was in a band called Enforcer. If you want to go way back, I, mean, I do. Yeah, I absolutely saw Warren, and he was playing with a guy named Rob. And pardon me if I get his last name wrong, Lamuth maybe from right. played in River Dogs with with um, wow. with Vivian. But I saw him in Enforcer. He had this this uh, Charvel guitar with it was looked like a coffee table or like a chess table. It was just color, wood colored and an orange amp. And and even then, I think I was like fourteen or fifteen playing in a band before him. But it was it was killer. And then the next day, we played at a place called the Handlebar Saloon in Santa Ana, and Rat played. So it was like my band um enforcer which was D. Martini's band and then rat and then rat at that time was jakey lee wow um you know steven and i don't know if robin was in the band it must have been robin and then i think david alford on drums maybe wow
0: that's uh that's it wow and they that's... were
1: powerful they were killer uh, that was way back then and then i you know i've obviously been a, a a fan of rat for a long time and and good friends with most of the guys in the band you know um But I, you know, rats, rat to me, rats. Steven, Bobby, right, everybody, obviously, but Robin and and um, and Carlos is great. I mean, he's the nicest guy in the world. So,
0: did you ever get? And I'm being serious. Did you ever get a call like, "Hey, do you want to, you know, fill in uh, or not?" No,
1: I no, I don't think I'm. I don't think I was ever on any their radar. You know, would you have uh, considered it? Um. Yeah, but I mean I know been fun. I mean I love that music, you know. Not knowing the inner band turmoil, it probably would have been something definitely I would have considered, but I you know, at this point of my career, I like no drama, you know. I don't like the drama thing.
0: Cuz you're a family man. I am a family man. Yeah, I'm married with kids and so you know, you're I imagine Warrant is uh I don't want to say your playtime, but like uh you're and not hobby, but it's like <laughs> you uh yeah you don't i'm sure you don't have drama with the family but you know you don't uh you want to go low profile and like
1: we, enjoy it yeah we like i mean it's hard enough to travel and get there and it's a travel beating now if you travel you know how much of a beating travel it's is it's tough we do it with we fly so there's not there's it's not unlike us to have 6 to 9 flights in a weekend of two gigs right you know um so just Managing getting five guys around to do that, you've got to be responsible, get up on time, not be an idiot you know and everybody in the band's responsible and we treat it as a business and then when we get on stage, we treat it as fun because that's what it is to us you know it's it's still fun. We still enjoy playing the songs we still enjoy creating new music um, which we're doing right now. We're working on another CD right now and and um, and it's still fun to play the old tunes, you know, the tunes that Lane penned. Um, you know, a lot of people like to hear those and just those. You got people that like to hear new stuff. You got people that like to hear both, you know, so we try to try to mix it up as much as possible.
0: Well, that's what I want to get into because it's like when someone goes to a Warrant show, you know, they want to hear Cherry Pie, Sometimes She Cries. I mean, you guys have a lot of hits. Uh, I, I personally want to hear Big Talk, but that's, you know. We played that a few years ago for about a year. No what is that like to me I just love that video so much it, is it just a song you guys don't necessarily enjoy playing that much or I don't know it kind of has a Thin Lizzy vibe to me it always
1: did because of the dual guitar thing you know the 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 harmonies in it um but I you know I don't know I mean there's there's always this is the way it works with Warrant there's you know there's the old catalog and right. There's the ones you have to play. You have to play Cherry Pie. You have to play I Saw Red. You have to play Uncle Tom's Cabin. You have to play Down Boys. You have to play those. Then there's the B side stuff, which is the lesser known stuff like Rainmaker and Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich, and that are fun to play, you know, because they weren't, it's not something you played all the time, you know. And then you got to go, okay, well, we got to, you know, we've got new music. I've done. Two records with the band since I got back in, which one of them Born Again, you got here. The other one's Rockaholic with Mason, which was which was a lot of fun, and has got some rock and tunes on it. So we obviously stay away from Born Again because Saint's not there to sing it, you know, so that wouldn't be
0: fair. And there weren't, weren't any noticeable hits on that record, like, you know. But that um, was a tough era, like, to, was it, 2006? Right.
1: Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, An adjustment
0: period, we call it. Well, that was like, uh, like the boy bands and, and, uh, you still, I think there was a stigma to, to bands like Warren. Sure. Um, so just the fact that you put out a new album, I thought was, wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's got some great riffs on it, you know, not to downplay it at all. And the artwork I think is killer, but, um, anyways, you know, we put some new stuff in there from rockaholic because we want it for us. That's fun and fresh, you know? Um, so you just try to mix it up as much as possible and not play the same set year after year after year. I mean, right. think about it. that that's what bands that have had hits do though. They want to hear,
0: you know. Right. It's that hard like you you know working on a new album. It, I'm sure you guys obviously want the the biggest hits and and for it to be a huge success, but is it sometimes do you lose motivation a little bit knowing that pe- when people come to a show, they don't really want to hear uh new material they want the cherry pie and and you know i mean like when i go see rat i don't want to hear like you know round, round. and round i want it yeah <laughs> i do want to hear round. And round. like in like <laughs> but let me ask you something if they
1: played round and round first how many people do you think would stick around for the whole show
0: well i would hoping mean, they would uh <laughs> sing uh giving yourself away penned by uh, desmond child who yes like, but I like those deep cuts. I'm a weird guy though. No, it's good. It's good. I mean, I like I
1: like a lot of the deep cuts too. I you know, I think that people come hopefully they come to have a good time. Right. right? Do you know what I mean? And they want to take the whole experience in, you know, looking at the people in the crowd. And, you know, that's my experience is is playing. Playing songs that I love to play every night. Playing some new stuff that's exciting that gets me excited to play every night. So you do get excited, like, absolutely. absolutely. Every night I get excited when we're getting ready to go on, and it's you know that intro tape's rolling. I'm fired up every night. You know the 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 boredom of the boredom of sitting in a hotel room and and the beating of flying there, or taking you know taking a 250 mile drive after two flights a day goes goes right away when the lights go down every single time still does that's why i still do it you know right. i don't i don't you know i don't i've got outside of warrant i i've got other you know business i do for right a living and 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 so to say that i i need to do warrant for a living is is a 110 percent false because
0: do you know? work can i say where you work or do you know uh i mean it's i i work for a music musical Fair enough.
1: Inf- manufacturer, a music instruments manufacturer. I've done that for nine years. It's a great company. Um, Pearl Drums, I'll tell okay. you. Okay. I, you know, I didn't want to. Yeah, know. that's cool. I mean, that's what I do. A lot of people come to NAM and see me, and that's what I do for a living. I've done it for, I'm blessed to have be there for nine and a half years and worked with some, you know, and worked with some and worked for some um, and with some. Very, very, talented business individuals. Right. Some very passionate drummers. I've I've been led into that whole world of of the drum world. Um, you know, for instance, this year, you know, in July, Steven tore his rotator cuff. Right. Right after his show. Right, like the last hits of his of cherry pie. Boom, boom, boom. And medics came backstage and I was immediately on my phone thinking, okay, we've got, you know, another 50 gigs to go this year. I need a, we need a drummer. So I hit people up like God, you wouldn't think of some of the heavier dudes out there, like Ray Luzier from Corn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, who's a, who's a friend of mine? Um, Jimmy DeGrasso, who plays with Black Star Writers now, but has been in Suicidal Tendencies and Megadeth. Um, you know, James Kotak from The Scorpions, who played in Warrant for like two years. Yeah. So, so I hit up all these dudes saying, you know, who's around? You right. know, we need help. And the response I got was just amazing. You know, every single dude from, you know, Ray to Jimmy to to James, you know, was like, man, I'd love to do that. Like, Ray was like, I'd love to do it, but I'm on tour with Corin, you know.
0: Right.
1: And, um, you know, but I've got guys I that I know that can pull it off because they're pros. You know, Ray with all his, his experience with MIT and everything, you know, and teaching and being Dave Ross. You yeah, know, yeah, that's yeah. when I saw him. Um dm for however long 10 years but you know and 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 james came back and said let me check with the guys in the scorpions because james is going through a transition in life where right. he's getting sober or is sober now that's and, great which is awesome for him I'm really happy for him and and he came back and the scorpions gave us their blessing and then it came to truth that stephen got a cortisone shot and could make it through until you know a few weeks from now he's going in and getting some surgery Right. So we're going to do some gigs with Michael Foster from Firehouse. Oh, wow. He's a great drummer. Um and and he knows us well and he knows the whole gig, you know, the fly dates and all that stuff. So What's but, the Go ahead?
0: No, no. What's the rehearsal process when you uh do, do you guys bring him in for like a day or two and go No. Oh, so he <laughs> We have a nice long a nice long, you know, sound check at
1: at that first gig. Oh, so he's good. the first gig he
0: plays with you guys will be
1: the first yeah, he's done, He did it before because this happened to Stephen one time before, and and Michael played it. You know, a, f- a handful of gigs for us, but he basically just wood. wood you know, Woodchops goes out to his his his. You know, wherever his drum kit is in Virginia, and just sets there with our material and goes through it, and then we'll work on all the transitions at Soundcheck, and he's a professional. I mean, and so are we. So we just let it go. It's actually a lot of fun because you. Know, you you play with a different drummer, you get a different feel going right. on, but the songs are still there,
0: and they're still true to the to their arrangements. So does it mess up your timing at all? Just because he might hit harder or lighter than Steven? No, it's fun. It's just different. You know,
1: I mean, he's not going to hit. It's he's not going to play exactly like Stephen. Nobody can. Right. You know, Steven's Stephen, and Steven's such a part of our sound live that. We'd never ever think of replacing him, but you know we've got to march on and play some gigs and oh, sure. have some fun because we are we get gig offers so you know instead of turning them down we just go at them one by one and say hey is this something we're playing L A in January um, where right around NAM down south we I'll, might, I'll
0: invite you we might have to do a live podcast. I don't I don't know if
1: it's public yet so it's in oh. it's in uh down it's in south. January during NAM yeah you can pick the venue you can probably guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll have you in as a guest. Maybe you can introduce us. I would be humbled
0: and honored. Let's do it. I really would. I'll run it past the guys. I'm sure they'd love it. Just tell them. I, I, it's my goal now. My bucket list is to have every member of Warrant on this couch. <laughs> some may we'll be, get them up here. Some may be more open to it than others. Steven's going to have some time down,
1: so maybe he can come by here when his arms in a sling and have some fun with you. He's He's extremely talented.
0: All you guys you know. are, and I'm not bullshitting you. You guys were, are one of my favorite bands. Your catalog speaks for itself, and and just the fact that you guys are one of the few bands to still be around from that era and be successful, and you know you you bring up you know Cherry Pie. I want to get to that video, if we may. Okay. That no, no, no. I'm not you know I'm a fan, so this is no uh no, it's all right. snake attack. That video is kind of looked at, I think, in terms of what's best and what was worst from you know, 'cause Nirva you know, the grunge scene was right around the corner. So I think that video gets compared the most to Nirvana's Smells Like Teenage Spirit. And there is a contrast between the two videos. Sure. When you look back when you were filming that video, what was the feeling of this is too much, or was it? This is great. It
1: it what it is is what a lot of people may or may not know, but it was it was all calculated. I mean, it the excess, the spraying Bobby down with a hose, every sexual innuendo you could put. Every I mean, we weren't going out of our way to be a misogyn you know group of misogynists by any means, but every sexual innuendo you could absolutely do, we wanted in that video, and we wanted it because we wanted it. We wanted people to laugh it wasn't about it wasn't it wasn't like hey i mean look look at the song premise you know she's my cherry pie it's not like it's not like somebody's writing an opus here 2112 you know what i mean it's not it's just not and if you take it for anything more than it was meant to be then you missed it you missed right. the you missed the boat because i mean even down to the director jeff stein who's done who did that uh, don't come around here no more with with uh Tom Petty, the one right. where they were cutting up, you know, the cake. Alice. That was killer, right? And I think he had something to do with Quadrophenia, if I'm not mistaken. But he was one of those guys, and I'm sure you've know plenty of directors and producers. He was a beautiful, freak, creative dude. So a lot of those ideas came from his mind, and a lot of the execution came from his mind. And we right. went with it. Um, and it was a it was a long two day, you know, 16, 18 hour a day shoot on a blistering hot white set to get that background. Right. But it was meant to be tongue in cheek. Right. Um, And anybody that didn't get that missed the boat, you know? So having it compared to, you know, a video that came out three or three years, two, three years later, Nirvana, which was maybe the the anti version of cherry pie or whatever you want to call it, it, it. It really doesn't mean a whole lot to me you know i'm i'm it's part of pop culture whether you take it for good or for bad it's still a part of it
0: oh i like you know know, that but that's why i like the the uh the glam music the la the sunset strip bands because you didn't have to think you know cherry pie it's like Sound like your bono singing about the rainforest. I mean, I'm sure <laughs>
1: it was never about that. You know? no, as but much that's... as Janie might have wanted it to be that later on, you know, I mean, I think I think maybe that was one of his demons as a songwriter that, you know, he was in this pop, you know, metal band or whatever you want to call us um, back then. And 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 he was he was, you know, a really good songwriter. And some of the stuff he wrote, like for instance on the third record, Dog Eat Dog was more serious and darker right but he could never get past that stigma of that video and and to be honest with you every night we play it it's fun crowd goes nuts you know i have fun playing it every night you know it's not something i'm embarrassed
0: about or ashamed of by any means well well, you shouldn't i mean that's why i always get bummed out when certain bands from that era or or songs kind of get shit on you know, but you get here. You guys are still touring, and most of those grunge bands, if not all of them, are. You know, where are they? Yeah, you know? we
1: did two packed shows this last weekend in Reno, and we're we've got five shows this month in December. Right. You know, we're booking into 2015. We're working on a new record. There's, you know, we're not going away. We have we're still having fun, and we're still you know more importantly, we're still bringing you know a catalog. You know that we did in the very very beginning of our careers. we're still bringing that around and doing justice. Robert Mason does a great job with that stuff.
0: he's an know. amazing singer
1: um but it certainly doesn't you know it's it's uh we're we're still writing a book you know we're still having fun writing music and and
0: playing and you know and meeting people out on the road and traveling and doing great podcasts like this i I'm so happy I made it did you ever think like playing with Motley Crue, twenty, thirty thousand 30,000 people, chicks, <laughs> bef- when you were single, you know, like, wow, can't get any better than this until today. You know, I didn't think so. I didn't either. But, you know,
1: <laughs> I was... Um, I've, I, you know, cause I know you, I've known you for a while, obviously. You know? I
0: met you through Shelly B. Shelly B, where you be? She's, uh, you know, still, uh, co-managing motorhead to great things. And, good. Uh, Hi Shelly. Hi Shelly. I, I think she does you. listen to this. I hope so. And, I like uh, Shelley. I owe my friendship with you to her. Yeah. And, uh, good.
1: Good things come from
0: things. Yeah, I know. Shelly's awesome. Yeah. And, uh. This next question is kind of a two-parter. As you can tell, I don't plan my questions. That's
1: all right. Let her fly.
0: I want it to be like friends, uh, just talking at a bar. This
1: mic rig's killer.
0: uh, Yes, uh, Joey is holding... uh, I have one sponsor of Inappropriate Earl. Uh, uh, Obviously, Stevie Rochelle from Tough provides the musical soundtrack, and I'm very (laughs) thankful for Stevie for letting me use the great song Forever Yours as the intro and outro. But my one sponsor is Stephen Piercy's Mike Knuckles. Which are microphone holders that look like brass knuckles? There's, yeah. I think, about fifty different models. So you can uh, go on, I think, uh, at Mike Knuckles on Twitter, and uh, you know somebody needs to do this with
1: a guitar, like you know, for a guitar handle, don't you think? Maybe you and Steve can,
0: uh, you know, uh, yeah. c- you know, <laughs> throw it out there in the universe, and uh, something will happen to that war at. R- Listen, rat ant rant rant rant, rant. Rat ant. it. Rodent. Radant, Rodent, Warrant. Let's go, Steve. I'd like a 10% uh, <laughs> since I'm bringing you guys together. All right. Um, back to the question. Was there, I want to ask you, at the beginning and the end of Warrant, not the end of Warrant, but like the end of that uh, era, was there a moment in the beginning where you thought, wow, we're going to make it? Like a show, uh, uh, someone coming up to you from record company? N- no. I mean... The very first show I did with Warrant was
1: March in 87. Gazaris. Gazaris. yeah. And I remember coming down. It was sold out. It was a lot of fun. And I just remember it just being a blast the whole time. And, and I remember that being our whole goal was to get a deal. And keep. we kept on working with, you know, at the time we were with uh, with Jamie Shoup, who brought Prince to the world, and, the, and a company called Cavallo, Ruffalo, and Farnoli. Sounds like. Sounds like some some familia, doesn't it? But she she worked with us for a while, and then we moved on because we weren't getting a deal with her for whatever reason. We we were actually it's you know it's old folklore lore that Prince paid for our first demo when I was in the band, and he did really yeah absolutely, and and then he passed on the band when he's when he saw us live <laughs> for whatever reason. Prince I don't know. saw you guys live, yeah maybe either we either we. Had a bad show, or he didn't like what he saw live and he passed. Um, and then we got a new management company, but it never, I always, we always all had drive. That was the end result. Get a record deal, get a record deal. We didn't know what we were going to do once we got it. We just went, that's what everybody wanted to do in LA, I think, right. you know? And um so I didn't, there wasn't any one time I knew. In fact, that the show we got signed off of, I think, was a show at the country club when Janie had chicken pox and we played like eight shows and split or eight songs and split right you know it was like half a show and um and sent him home and then we got a call the next week that Columbia Records was interested in the band you know and then a bunch of other stuff happened around the time my my memory's a little bit cloudy but Gene yeah. Simmons called Eric talked to oh. Eric hello this is Gene Simmons yeah. I can't do Gene Simmons we'd have
0: to get Craig on here to do that oh though. Craig's the best yeah
1: but um you know so it's um so, a lot of cool stuff started happening at that time. So, when it started to happen, that's when it was like that magic moment.
0: Exciting. Like, yeah, wow. yeah. It's because you had been in bands before Warrant and not struggling, but like just trying. You, you know, just trying. You know, because yeah. in LA, it, it seemed like everyone was getting a record deal. Yeah. You know, just throwing enough shit against the wall. Like, let's get the next rat, the next quiet riot. And some bands, you know, the next Cinderella, you know, a little more towards the mid-'80s. Right,
1: yeah. I mean, and we were, we signed, I think, in 88. Right. You know, and then made that record and went out on tour before that record even got released, the first record, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich. And, and I mean, we were all just, you know,
0: mid-'20s. It was just you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. Was. What was the first? Because you guys were out with Molly Crew on, like, Dr. Good, right?
1: That was the end of the first tour, which was like, I mean, Eric's got better numbers than me. He's got a better memory. But it was like 280-some-odd shows in, I think, 16 months,
0: total touring time. And how was that? Like, obviously, you know, kicked around the L.A. scene. You'd never done traveling of that nature. Was it just, were you so excited you didn't feel the tiredness? or? Found other ways to relieve your stress. <laughs> there were, I mean... <laughs> no names, no names. That's a loaded question. I, I bet. Mean, we
1: were young, we were we were hungry, we were aggressive, and we wanted the world at the time. So we were just, I mean, no matter how much you'd thrash yourself after a show, you'd always get up and be ready to get on stage the next night, you know? Um, so... You know, there was a lot of everything going on at that time. There wasn't a lot of rampant, you know, drug abuse in the band. I mean, there was partying. Don't get me wrong. I partied, you know, I've, I've, I've stuck stuff up my nose. I've. Things in my lungs, you know, I drink, I still drink to this day. I still drink, I'm a beer drinker.
0: Yeah, but beer is like you know? liquefied bread. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I'm a bread lover. Well, you're a vegan.
1: But I also know when not to, and I also, you know, can stop it And at, nowadays. But back then it was just, let's go. I mean, you've got a lot of um,
0: stamina when you're in your 20s, you know? Well, I mean, I can imagine <laughs> just being around Vince Neil, just breathing around him you would get high. L. Vince. Right. Love him. Oh, no, Vince is awesome. Nice, uh, nice guy. And you know,
1: Tom Always Lee. been polite, always been great with Warrant, even though they thrashed us in their in their in their book, and they thrashed us in the dirt.
0: Well, I think uh Nikki uh was he seems to be you brought it up earlier, a guy who somewhat distances himself from that particular era. Right. Um like he's uh I, I always think of him as like a junior Gene Simmons. You right. Know, and, uh, he he always
1: treated, you know, when we toured with him, we did like six months with him on that tour. He treated us with great respect. He was a great guy. He I don't have any reason to have a problem with him. I don't know. You know, Motley seems like a band that always, you know, distances themselves from other bands they play with right maybe i mean they've talked shit about Godsmack, smack anthrac i don't you know i mean i don't know why um personally have nothing no beef with any of those guys you know it maybe it stems from something somebody else in the band did i don't know maybe it's just because they want to sensationalize stuff and make it a good read i don't know but it was a good tour and you know Uh, they're blessed to have the career they have and they're they're great songs great band you know it was a good time touring with them in 89 oh 89 such a good era I think maybe 90 a little bit but yeah some I think a ton of shows with them
0: and then uh you released the second album yeah I mean that's when I think you guys really were like warrants the band right now was Uh, a good run those two records Back it, to back, it's, you're headlining arenas on your own at that point. We did
1: 86 shows in arenas. Yeah, we took about five or six trucks out and a bunch of crew guys and a and a in few opening bands, and that was right. I think at at the time of like mass saturation for the genre, right?
0: You know? Which is, you know, I think grunge almost gets too much credit for killing the genre. I, I to me and and I'm asking you this, but like it was the copycat bands, like the warrant. Let's get the next warrant. Let's get, you know, like, you know, the Britney Foxes were kind of copying Cinderella, and then you'd have Britney Fox copycat bands. And right. it's just, it's like, is that a correct uh, assumption that that genre killed the genre? I th- I think it kind of self detonated, you know? <laughs> what?
1: spontaneously combusted i this is the way i look at it i mean i remember playing the paramount theater up in seattle with alice and chains opening and hearing them and going wow these guys are great and i i think it's just like with any any music genre it gets shorter and shorter as as we grow older because there's there's less life cycle for for an artist but i think that you've got a you've got a, a base of people who like this music and, and they're, you know, whatever, let's just say 13 to 18 or whatever. Okay. And then after 18, real life starts to take hold jobs, you know, families, college, whatever. Okay. Now it doesn't mean those people stop liking that music, but it means they certainly grow up. Right. You know, and, and not all music's timeless, you know, I mean, some of it is, some of it isn't. Um, and it depends on how you define it. I mean, we still have fans coming out to our shows nowadays, so maybe to them it is timeless. Um, but, you know, it's just a natural progression, you know? And and to, to top that, there were tons, you know, not tons, but there were some great bands that came out of Seattle.
0: Right. You know, I'm
1: an Alice in Chains fan, um, Soundgarden fan. Um, you know, Pearl Jam, when I heard 10, you know, I knew that our days were numbered just because it was a great record song wise. Right. Okay. didn't have, didn't have to do with, you know, the type of music we were playing, but if you listen to it, the songs were good. And I knew that, wow. Okay. This is something that, you know, you know, could or couldn't have more <laughs> definition as, you know, than we do. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that's, anybody can debate that, but it just were good songs. And it was, it was, um, it was a time for a change. So, you know, I, I rolled with a change one way, warrant went another way. I took some time off
0: and 10 years almost since yeah 10 years, the, almost. like basically 96.
1: Yeah. The, uh, yeah, to 2006. About, yeah.
0: About 95, 90, I don't remember when I left. Right. I was
1: pretty hammered when I left, to be honest with you. Cause mm-hmm. I was going through a divorce and it was a, it was a, the dark years as we call them.
0: Was that mid nineties weren't so great for me either. Brother. Yeah, it
1: was a tough one. But um, you know, I went back to school and and reinvented myself there, and and worked as a database administrator for I don't know eight years. Did you still play like at clubs? Like just no. I I played with some buddies of mine down in Orange County, and 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 um, you know, I just never could never get a group of guys together that were real serious about it. And I don't think I was, to be honest with you, I was kind of burnt right. on it. And I'd already like started, you know, started a new life with, you know, and just in private industry, you know, working in IT. And, and um, you know, and it was hard. It was hard going to school while my band was out touring. Right. It, and I didn't care if they weren't in arenas anymore. They were still, you know, it was Saturday and they were out touring and I was sitting in a classroom Around a bunch of IT geeks,
0: you know? do they know who you were? Like, oh
1: my god! That's no, a I didn't do any of that. No, right. no, I just went in, cut my
0: hair, and just put my nose in the book. You know, right? But that's you know, you. I think a lot of guys from that era, they don't really have a plan B when you know maybe the the gigs get smaller and stuff. So it's like you're.
1: Yeah, I would have loved to stick with music, Um, but I had a daughter at the time, and I knew I had to have I had to make money, and I. I I didn't feel I could rely on music a whole lot. Right, you know. And really on the on the guys in the band, I I didn't I didn't feel real confident, you know, that that the five of us at that time you know, were a good fit, you know. Right. And so I so I just made a decision and went sideways, you know, and did what I did for 10 years and then when it came back around, it was almost like it was meant to be and you guys are great, and yeah. we ha you know we have a lot of fun and that original reconnection was good, and then it took a good year or two to gel again and to get the fights out of why did you split or what you know what's your problem and you know there was some still some 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 sort resentment. Of yeah, both think, ways absolutely, but it's a natural it's natural to have that in in life when you're in a business with some people and then you go out of business and you go back into business. I mean, how many people do that? And, and, but where we're at today, I can say, you know, is, is, um, a really good place. You know, I mean, we, we lost, we lost a key member along the way, um, that nobody ever really wanted that to happen. Nobody wishes that on anybody. Um, and we tried so much we could get and That's a whole nother interview.
0: Oh no, I don't want to, you know, and I know, this is the part where I try and be a little different than you know. Yeah, uh, you know, when I have someone on like you who's been in the business for thirty years, I try not to ask you the same questions you've been asked a thousand times. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, you know, it's sad and, but you know, I guess personal. it's it's,
1: a, it's it's horrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no uh, I
1: don't and know. Uh, it's just is what it is. We try to do the best we can every night. You know, and and play those songs that he penned. And we just recently played Cleveland, which was where, you know, Janie was from. And some of his buddies come out and we still see them. you know, but it's still, you know, it's still a difficult situation.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, when someone's uh, got personal demons, they have to, you know, want the help and, you know, you may love them. And I'm sure it was like that with you guys. I mean, you want to help someone. And then, I mean, is there a time you just go, not throw your hands up and go, you're on your own, but was there a time you just realized it was just nothing you could do? Yeah. Yeah. When, when,
1: you know, we had a guy that's in the industry to this day that works for a big band to this day. That's a sober coach. That's a tour manager. That's a great guy that we had out with him as his, you know, his handler to take care of him and to keep him out of those places and, um, in his head and physically, Right. you know what I mean? And, um, and he came to us and said, man, he goes, there's nothing I can do. And he had gotten other guys and other bands sober and saved these other bands. And we just looked at him and said, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. the house is on fire, brother. You know, yeah. keep on throwing water on it. And n- no disrespect to him at all. I mean, he tried. And, and when he came to us and said that, we all looked at each other and said, I <clears> think <throat> it was Jerry you know, said, I don't want this, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have him die out here. Right. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be, it's not worth it for me to be out here playing music and, and, and have this guy, you know, pass away because he feels like he has to be out here and has to do this. And so we went to him and told him at the time, you know, we're done. Right. No more, get healthy, take care of your family and your kids. And you know we're still cool, you know, and that's in a nutshell as quickly as possible.
0: Oh no, no, you yeah. know,
1: with not getting too deep and 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 uh, and too dark. That's basically what happened, and and then uh, and a few years later he passed. You know?
0: wow. I mean, had you had much contact between the time he left and and? When I he... reached out about six months prior, I think, um, with Mike Fasano, who's a drummer right.
1: that played in the band, the Sack, the Sack, yeah. Some good stories there. I bet. That's another
0: podcast. Yes,
1: it is. But um, yeah, Mike called me and said, Hey man, let's call Lane and go out to lunch with him, you know, and make sure he's cool. And I said, Great. So I called him up and I said, Hey, dude, it's Joey. You know, I hope you're good. Um, Mike and I would love to come out and and take you to lunch and just go hang out and talk and, you know, give me a call back. And and um I left him that message. I never got a call back. Right. I one year, you know, I was I was at Nam and one of the directors for one of the larger companies that i work with told me lane was in the booth and i turned around and he was in the booth with his third wife right and i just kind of nodded at him like hey what's up i was going into a meeting a sales meeting where i had to go do what i do and and that was the last time i physically saw him right. you know so you know that's my my take on on that
0: no that's good enough and uh i mean was there any, the only other question i would have in, in that area was Um, when you, did you guys tell him at some point, Hey, we're going to move on with another singer. And, and was, yeah. Yeah. Did that, uh, I'm assuming that didn't go over that well with him or or did he care?
1: Uh, you'd have to ask, I think Eric communicated with him. Okay. wasn't me. Um, you know, I reached out to him after that long after that conversation went down, but I think, I think he knew he was struggling, you know, and I think he wanted to get right. I mean, we stuck with him during the reunion to try to help him get right. We went to, you know, some, some rehabs with right, him right. and, and we, we brought the guy out on the road to keep him sober. We, we took all the booze off the rider. We did as, as much as we thought we could do, you know, without just saying, we can't do this anymore. Right. This isn't a good place for you. You know? So I don't know. I don't know how he personally took that because I didn't deliver the message.
0: Well, right. No, I got you. you. Know. Well, I mean, you know, Roberts. Uh, if you haven't seen Warrant with Robert Mason, I, I highly recommend it. He brings, uh, you know, it's a slightly, uh, I think, vocally he, he might possibly be stronger in terms of a, a singer, uh, but but he's heavier. Yeah, I mean, it's more, uh, it's, it's a different style. Maybe I should, yeah, frame it that way. Um, and it's it's awesome to hear someone with his pipes uh, put his spin. Yeah, on,
1: when Lane was in top form. I don't think anybody could touch him. You know, I mean, he was gr- he was a great front man, a great singer. You know, Mason is just a powerhouse singer. Yeah, he's and uh, he's he's the real deal. He takes care of himself. You know, for me standing next to him on stage, you know, a guy that's fifty that you know, Robert's like two percent body fat. He looks good,
0: man. You know, I mean. and it's
1: like, dude, come on, eat a eat a fuck a cheeseburger, would you? You know, give the kid a break over. I'm as
0: straight as a pole, but that's a good-looking guy.
1: He's yeah, he's a good dude, and he, thank God for him. And and you know, the fact of the matter is, is that him and Lane were friends, and he did reach out to Lane when he got the gig. Right. There's a lot of people that don't know that, and and um, you know, Roberts a stand-up guy, so we just continue to do what we do, and and warrants, you know, been through you know several different lineup changes. You know, maybe less less than LA Guns, I think
0: well i mean listen i wikipedia Warren just to do some research although you know I, reading bobby brown's book you know was more about her but you know i felt i you know she covered you guys to a degree but uh god damn you guys have had some uh you know <laughs> even before you guys was where it really kicks in is before you joined warren right i was like yeah like uh kiss guitar players in the 80s there's a bunch of
1: guys out there that that have been part of the family and there are still all part of the family i mean nobody i don't think any there's any ill feelings towards any of those guys i don't have any ill feelings towards anybody that came after me or anybody that was before me you know it's just um
0: it's a lot of fun doing what we do i i haven't read bobby's book it's really good i mean uh you know when she came here she brought her boyfriend with her which was cool but you know i couldn't, couldn't ask any dick questions well, she tells a great story about uh, going over to Dave Navarro's house, and I really wanted to get into that. But you know, I you know I try and be respectful. You know, I, I'm sure some interview, uh, some interviewers try and like mock people from that era. You know, I, right. obviously I'm a fan. Uh, I love Warren. Uh, you know, I, I had a crush on her. Tony Catane was awesome when she came here. Yes, yes. And, uh, she wouldn't talk about OJ, but you know, I tried to be uh, respectful. It was the only the thing she wouldn't stories, talk about. I- you have an OJ story? Yeah, we can't.
1: I, okay, never used, mind. He used to play golf with my old manager every Saturday, and right. I, I got invited so many
0: times I never went to play golf with him. And it's probably better. Yeah, probably, right? Here's um, the one thing I never understood about OJ. For someone who played as much golf, his swing sucked.
1: Did he? I never paid attention, dude.
0: Well, I, I like to pay attention to details. Like All that. I remember is football and Hertz commercials. Man, well, Naked Gun—he was good in the—he uh, was not—I—he was my neighbor as a kid. But this isn't about my childhood. This is uh, d- now. Uh, so I—I I know you got things to do. You're nice enough to come down here. Battle the rain. It's raining today. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Janie. I—I want to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, you know, warrants has got a lot of things coming down the pike. When can we expect the new record? Is it in the early stages? Yeah, it is in
1: the stages where everybody's tossing around. Files are flying through the internet. Um, Eric just sent a few ballot ideas yesterday. One of them's killer. Robert grabbed onto it. So that could be literally be song number one. Um, you know, but we're all working. Um, there's some creative juice left in the band and, and hopefully we'll have a record. You know, maybe sometime in 2015, if not early 2016, but certainly we will continue to tour, um, at least in this in this continent. Well, I hope so. You know, if If you're playing Thailand, I'm not going to be there. I don't think we'll play Thailand. We don't like to get on long plane flights. Well, unless the price is right. It takes 12 hours to get to Iowa, brother. How long is it going to take to get? You know, well, I
0: think the nightlife (laughs) in Thailand is better than Iowa. We're all married and happy and kids all over the place let's leave on that you're, you're no no I, <laughs> all right this interview is over no, I'm just kidding. It's boring and no not at all not at all i mean it, it what is like you're single you know uh just the uh, availability of many things human and other is there uh, which probably made it hard for anyone to be sober or even relatively sober now fast forward 25 years later it's still the same, uh, temptations are out there. Uh, you know, I'm sure many women would like to, uh, do stuff with members of warrant married kids. How do you like, like balance that? Like, Hey, I'm sorry. I've got a wife. I've got kids. I get, I get pissed to
1: be honest with you. That's my defense. Is that, you know, I mean, it's funny because back in the day I wouldn't have got pissed. You know, I was young it's coming at you a hundred miles per hour and you just roll with it, you know? Um, but having some perspective on that and, and, and and growing up a little bit, you know, I respect my wife, I respect my son, my daughter. Um, and if anybody disrespects that, it pisses me off. right? You know, so, um, if that happens to me, which it doesn't happen that often, but it happens oh. here and there, it pisses it pisses me off. So I, I'll bounce. I don't have a problem bouncing somebody right the fuck out of a gig, right? If they disrespect that, and 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 um, you know, that might shock a few people. A few people might say that's exactly what I would do, or what an asshole, or whatever. But you know, it's um, I like my life a lot. I love my wife. I love my son, my daughter, and um, if anybody wants to get in between me and them, they're gonna. F- and go down quickly.
0: What? Oh, no, that's awesome. <laughs> I just, you know, when I see Warren. Do I play, sound pissed? Good, Jesus Christ. Well, you sound like <laughs> Kane Roberts on Royd Rage. I'm what a you, little roidy right now. What did you take some DECA before you came? I haven't here? had any food today, man. What is it like? One? I haven't eaten yet. Well, let me tell you, there's one place around here. I live in a gay neighborhood, you know, just for people in the podcast. I wouldn't suggest going to the hot dog place down the street. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm going to brave the freeway and see if I can make it back to the OC. Well, I, listen, uh, take side streets in this neighborhood. <laughs> I was at the hot dog place yesterday getting a turkey burger. This guy behind me is like, Bill, I can't bottom tonight for you. And Bill's like, why not? He's like, I've got diarrhea. Oh, so, great. So I just got a diet soda and uh, okay. walked away. did get a chili dog? Well, Bill did, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I I was going to end it there, but just a quick question. I'm not asking you to name names because, you know, my goal is to have you come back, and I'm being serious. Um, You know, Rob Halford, I don't care what he does. In my opinion, him and Freddie Mercury, greatest singers of all time. Absolutely. Uh, What was the stigma of... Uh, p- people being gay in, in in your genre of music was it ever talked about? Was it like, you know, hey, this guy's gay? I mean, were there many gay metal stars of that era?
1: I I mean, the only the two that you talked about are obviously two that are high profile. And, and and I agree with you too, they're the best singers ever. Um George Michael as well. I know he's not Yeah, I mean I don't to each his own, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Personally, I don't give a shit what anybody's sexual preference is as long as it's as long as it's not young children. You know what I mean? Oh, of course. I mean, I've obviously got a problem with that, but um Who doesn't? Yeah, right pedophiles well (laughs) there you go (laughs) jerry sandusky yeah there's some dudes out there that need to find a long hallway to a big cliff but anyways oh absolutely um i don't i don't we never really spoke about it because we never thought about it i mean it didn't you know freddie mercury being gay doesn't change one damn thing about how brilliant he was and how brilliant his music is same thing with with priest you know, I still live, you know, uh, or listen to Priest to this day. Screaming for Vengeance is one of the best metal records out there, period, end of story. Um, and I went to see Priest a million times. Oh, they're uh, great. I mean, still do. I saw them a few years ago in San Diego. Great band. So I, you know, never really talked about it much. Right. Uh, you know, nobody, I don't think, I don't want to speak for the other guys in the band, but just because I'm around them enough, I don't think anybody has a problem with with anything, you know.
0: I would imagine being uh, in, in in that genre of music where it's just part of my language, but because I know you're a family man now, but the, the, just the, a the, lot of the, pussy. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so I imagine if you or like, it must've been hard for Rob Halford to like, you know, like he says, this girl's disgusting. I want to do it in the next video. I don't know who does you'd have to
1: ask. You'd have to ask Rob.
0: I mean, I'll try and get him down that's, here. That's, that's, you know, that's his answer. Right, no, I just uh, found it funny that the genre is so closely uh, associated with beautiful women in the videos, right. and and uh, you know, I, I certainly see uh, Judas Priest video for Hot Rock, and when they're all in the steam room, I thought, well, this might have been the first oh, song. Wow!
1: See, you're now you're bringing up some things I never thought about.
0: Well, listen, we could get into the more. Uh, <laughs> listen, there's so much more I want to ask you because uh, uh, you know, let me end it on this you know, you guys make it big. Cinderella makes it big. Rat makes it big. But there were so many bands that were for whatever reason. Like a band like say Shark Island, who who uh oh, great band. Richard Black. Absolutely. Uh, you know, why does a band what was why what, what was the reason when one band makes it big, another band like say Shark Island doesn't? Just luck? I think it's
1: a combination of of songs number 1. Right. And I think it's the team that you build around you, you know. Like
0: management team, like
1: management and record label, I think. And 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 when we, you know, we were really blessed to get some good people behind us from the get-go and Lane wrote some killer tunes, you know. And I think that along with you know, the uh the image and everything at the time worked. You know, it wasn't any different than anybody else's image. I think the main difference is is, is comes back to music and songs.
0: Well, I think that's yeah. a good way to leave on a semi-serious note. There we go. By the way, I would love, is there anywhere I can get one of those white leather outfits? <laughs> There's Mine, I think, presides at the Hard Rock in Tijuana. Well, I've been there. One of the more high class, so if you want it, go down there. Well, uh, you know, I make enough money in comedy <laughs> where I might be able to make that purchase. The girl who made him lives up on King's Road. Well, well, we'll talk off air. I'd like. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to bring '80s rock back into fashion with the leather pants, and uh, you know, we'll we'll get into that right. off the air. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, we're on Facebook. We are on Twitter. Uh, and Just at, like at Warrant's? Yeah, yeah, and then uh, there's a
1: website, warrantrocks.com. Um you know, so you know we've got a—I don't know—half million, six hundred thousand people on Facebook. Just,
0: just Google us; you'll find us. We're around. Well, listen, go on iTunes. You know, if you don't—is uh, there a CD, a, a warrant starter CD where you say if you haven't bought our CD, if, if you're not familiar with us, where should they if start? You've
1: never heard of the band? You know, there's the greatest hits out on Sony it's the best of and then the the most recent record we did Rockaholic is available all over the place um and it's a good representation of where the band is nowadays so
0: and look for a new record coming out I mean, you know mid 2015 uh and you know I'll always update you guys uh, Joey uh, you a friend for life uh, I can't appreciate you, and I'm I'm being serious for once. <laughs> I know you get asked by a lot of bozos to do these things, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Because Joey Allen, follow him, Facebook, Twitter, warrant Facebook, Twitter. You know, you know where to find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Craigslist, Casual Encounters, and uh, this will be out today. SoundCloud, iTunes, Inappropriate Earl. Joey Allen, you're the best, and we'll have you on again if you'll come back.
1: I'll always come back, girl. Thanks for having me, brother. And we'll see you next time you're down in the OC at the the Laugh Factory or somewhere around there, huh?
0: They won't return my calls, but that's another podcast. I'm never
1: going there again then. Fuck those guys.
0: You heard Joey Allen. Learn it, live it, (laughs) love it.